0: Well, one day it was near the end of the year and he called me up and he said, Frank, I want to give you some advice. You ought to take this position and I can't remember all the details, Mm. but you ought to do this, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. And that'll save you, you know, all these tax dollars. And I was just totally dumbfounded, Andrew. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I don't even have that money invested with you. And you're giving me this advice? He said, Yeah, I'm just trying to look out for you. Mm. Why I appreciate that, you know? And
1: and I'm like, where's my investment guy? Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risks, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy, which offers online courses that help investors, aspiring professionals, business leaders, And even beginners improve the finances of their lives and of their businesses. Go to MyWorstInvestmentEver.com right now to claim your discount on the course that suits you the most. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts. And I'm here with featured guest, Frank Egan. Frank, are you ready to rock? I am ready to rock. (laughs) So Frank works to empower small businesses to achieve more by helping them create dynamic professional relationships. He does this by operating a membership-based referral program called Spirit Business Connection and shares insightful content via his networking, Rx podcasts, articles, and books. You can learn more about Frank at frankagan.com. So Frank, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life.
0: Yeah, I live in Columbus, Ohio, for uh, people who are on the other side of the world. It is pretty much uh, in the central part of the United States. I have a law degree, I have an MBA and was an attorney for a while, but then uh, decided I was, wanted to be more of an entrepreneur and ended up in the business that I'm in now.
1: So it's, uh, mm. life is good. <laughs> and tell us more about, I mean, like, when you think about networking, I mean, everybody talks about, oh, it's important, your network it's your net worth, but you've actually built a business around the, the helping people network. Tell us a little bit about that that business and why networking is so important from your perspective.
0: Well, you know, I really stumbled into this, Andrew. I was in a, I was a tax consultant, a tax attorney with an international firm and decided I want to do taxes for the rest of my life. And then I left and went into private practice. And I tell people a funny thing happened to me when I went into private practice. And the funny thing was that nothing happened. I had no idea how to get clients. I mean, I think that's something that Every entrepreneur on the planet probably goes through to a degree, okay, I have a passion for what I do. How do I get clients? How do I sell it? And so it's especially concerning for an attorney, at least in the United States, because we're not allowed to advertise, especially a business attorney. I mean, you just don't do it. And so I struggled. And from that, I stumbled upon an organization that brought together entrepreneurs, sales reps, professionals into a weekly meeting. It was membership-based. People learned about each other, and they exchanged referrals. And immediately, it made total sense, right? Because I can brag about you all day and feel good about it. If you self-promote for five minutes, you're exhausted. Mm. And so I just felt this is great. I could, I can lift up my world by helping these people and trust that they'll return the favor. And so that's when I really kind of learned about networking or stumbled on networking because, Andrew, up until that point, I just figured, you know what, accumulate accumulate credentials. Undergrad, law school, MBA, got a CPA. Then Look it's all go. just going to come. Right, right. <laughs> and it really comes down to relationships. And I joke about it, but I should have spent less time in the library and more time in the bar. But you don't know that when you're at that stage. And so, so that's f- how I stumbled upon it. And So we work with uh, small business people around the country. They get into this program and they, you know, we, we connect them with other people and they network and through, it's really the relationships. There's nothing special there. Mm. We get people to develop relationships. And once there's that relationship in place, people really work hard to help one another. So then it's just a question of educating one another on, Hey, if you see this, think about me
1: maybe say this, get me in the door. So it's really pretty simple. You know, I, uh, it's so fascinating talking about this topic because for all my life, you know, I always felt like it's not polite to ask someone else for help, to ask someone else for business or, you know, like it just, it's such a, you know, it's a hard thing. And, you know, and then, I went to, uh, you know, and I have my own businesses and I realized now, you know, I, re- I learned it over time that it's not only about your performance. I tell young people that, you know, maybe 50%, you know, great performance, do your best sure. to, you know, perform. But, you know, the other 50% is building of relationships. And I went into a, someone invited me to a networking event here in Bangkok and I went to it and you could see, you know, what was built into it was exactly this of introducing, you know, getting to know each other and then thinking how could we do business together or how could I help you get business now in my case I couldn't I couldn't really connect my services with what most of the people were doing so then I kind of left it but I knew in my heart that I liked what they were doing and I just you know wonder for for a person like me as an example do you have any thoughts or any suggestions on that yeah, you know, the one thing I always tell
0: people is that every contact has opportunity. People say, well, I'm going out to a networking event. Who should I connect with? And I say, it doesn't matter because everybody's connected. And you never know who that person might connect, who, might be connect, who they might be connected to. And I don't, it's not a crapshoot. I mean, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a gamble or you know, an investment, to use the term of your show. But it's just kind of, it's, well, here's, here's a, here's a metaphor, golfing. Like when you walk up to tee off from a 415 yard par four dog leg, right? A lot of people golf, they get the game. You're not standing on the tee saying, geez, I hope I drop it in the cup from, from that far away. The best golfers in the world don't do that. What they do is they say, you know what? I want to hit it far enough and straight enough that I can see the green on my next shot and then get on the green and then two putt, all the best golfers anywhere in the world. That's what they're trying to do. They might get it in three, you know, me, it might take 12, but nevertheless, that's a whole nother conversation. And what that has to do with networking is this, is when you meet somebody, it's the shot off the tee. They're, they're not setting you up for a six inch putt. And that's how I, when I meet people, that's how I look at it. I tell them what I'm about. I'm not pitching you, but this is what I'm looking for. If there's somebody else you could connect me to, that would be wonderful. And so they connect me to somebody else and connect me to somebody else. And then ultimately what ends up happening is someone will connect you or me to the person that is the equivalent of that six inch putt. Meaning you just have to you have to show up. You have to be a decent person because they're the person who needs what you have. There's very little selling at that point because they need whatever. They need legal services, need accounting services or investment advice. You don't have to convince them of
1: it. I like it. I like the idea of, you know, I guess a lot of times we think that we're swinging for the the green or for the whole. And reality is, is that there's a lot of steps up to that. So great, great advice, great points. All right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story.
0: Well, I started my career in a public accounting firm. It was a big six accounting firm in the United States, Coopers and It's now PricewaterhouseCoopers. And I was a tax consultant, very prestigious job, good pay, good everything. And was getting ready to leave. And there were people that I had met at the firm certainly people within the firm, but there were people associated with the firm. And there was one guy who was a financial advisor and he was on the board of some of the clients that I dealt with. And I I got to know him and I figured, okay, I've got these 401k monies. And at the time they had a pension. And so I walked out of there with some pension monies. It wasn't enough to retire on because I've continued to work obviously, but it was a decent amount of money and it was really all I had. And so I went to him and said, hey, just thinking, If he's associated with the firm, then it's got to be good for me, right? And so I didn't really know what to expect because it was kind of my first – it was my first uh, investment – investing relationship and just didn't know. I figured, okay, he's big time and I just need to kind of go with the flow. And he would call me up every six months and just say, hey, I want to let you know what happened in the last six months. And he'd go through, you know, this worked out, this didn't work out quite as well. You know, he just kind of, it was a historical rendition of what the weather was yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Not, hey, what we think is going to happen. And this, we went round and round with things. And there were a couple, there were a couple investments that didn't work out. I remember we had some at stock, it split. And there was, there was a, 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 another company that went really way up since in the early, before the tech burst in the early 2000s or 99. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember calling him and saying, "Hey, we should probably sell this. You know, there's we got a lot in this position. Let's diversify." "Oh, no, no, no. Let's just hold hold. You didn't really have any time for me." And so I'm just figuring this is the way it is. And so I just kind of went with it. But coincidentally, I had a, ended up with a small position with a smaller investment firm, Edward Jones. I don't believe they're anywhere, but in the United States, yep. <clears> really <throat> kind of a, kind of a grassroots neighborhood type investor. And it was just a little bit of money. And, but he was right away. He would, took an interest in us. And he said, I really want to sit down. And if I'm going to help you with this little bit of money, I would really like to understand all the money you have and yep. what your hopes and dreams are. I was married. By that point, I was married. My wife had investments and she had 401k monies. And we were kind of going through this whole thing. And he said, okay, great. And we would talk every once in a while. And he would you know, say, hey, you know, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that with the monies that he had? Well, one day it was near the end of the year. And he called me up and he said, Frank, I want to give you some advice. You ought to take this position. And I can't remember all the details, hmm. but you ought to do this. You ought to do this. You ought to do this. And that'll save you, you know, all these tax dollars. And I was just totally dumbfounded. Andrew, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I don't even have that money invested with you. And you're giving me this advice? He said, yeah, I'm just trying to look out for you. Mm. Well, I I appreciate that, you know? And and I'm like, where's my investment guy? He says, I don't know. I don't, you know, and he wasn't pushy or anything. I don't know, but you'd really need to take advantage. This It'll save you money. And the money we were saving was like more than we had invested with this guy. So I went home and told my wife, you know, called the broker and this is what we're doing. Of course, when I called the broker, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I was probably going to call you on that anyways, which he wasn't. Right. Yep, of course. And and you wonder all the other things that you probably missed over the years. And so my wife and are sitting there looking at each other and it's like, why are we with this guy, the big firm guy? Why are we yep. with the big firm guy? I don't know, I don't know, and so we pretty quickly decided, you know, right after year end, we're going to make the switch, and to this day we are st- the guy we we went with, Eric. We're still with Eric, and I always joke. I tell people there are two things that'll ruin my marriage: another woman and another financial advisor. <laughs> it's that simple, because <laughs> uh, you know my my wife just thinks he's the greatest, and you know, so it's you know the so, the worst investment was. Yep. A relationship or lack of a relationship
1: is is the better way to characterize it. So how would you describe the lessons that you learned from this? Well, Well, let me me just ask you, when you signed up with that first guy, how old were you at the time? 28, 30 years old. Okay, so you're a young guy starting to make money and you're thinking this is the way to do it. And he was about
0: my age. It wasn't like he was this 50 year old guy. And of course he was put out then when we were moving our money, he's like, I don't understand it. I've done all these great things for you. And it's like, I, I don't understand what the great things are, you know, but whatever, but you asked, what, what was Yeah, the lesson? I think the lesson is simply this. You got to have a relationship. You need to have a relationship with your clients and you need to have a relationship with your vendors too. And I try to have a great relationship with, with all the people I do business with. I switched doctors Because I didn't have enough of a relationship with my doctor. And I realized people are like, oh, geez, how do you get a relationship with your doctor? Listen, I met the guy out at, you know, kids' soccer game or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I want him to be my doctor. Because when I go in and whenever they're fiddling with you, I want to feel comfortable being able to ask a question. I want a doctor to come in and spend 10 extra minutes with me just seeing how I'm doing, really care about me. I just think you get better service that way you end up paying more, mm. you know, maybe not for the yep. doctor cause it's covered by health insurance, but you know, you know, the saying is we do business with those we know, like, and trust and all things being equal, we do business with those we know, like, and trust. I say all things being unequal, we do business with, with those we know, like, and trust because I'm sure I could get less expensive financial advice. I know mm. it, yep. right. I know I could get less expensive car insurance or home insurance. I know it. Why do I stay where I'm staying? Because of that relationship. And I know when there's a situation, I can make the call and it's
1: going to be worth that little bit of extra money. It's a, a great, great lesson. And let me summarize what I took away. I mean, the first thing I want to come back to is what you said. You know, I know I could pay less, but I would challenge you to say actually, you know, the total cost of decisions is what we need to think about. And this is, one of my favorite, you um, favorite men in the world is Dr. W. Edwards Deming. And I got a chance to study with him when I was 24. And he always talked about, you know, going with the lowest cost supplier is probably the most expensive thing you can do. So I challenge, you know, all the listeners out there where you think you're cutting corners and you're getting something cheap. Chances are you're probably getting something super expensive. In fact, you know, you may never find something so cheap being so expensive. So that's the first lesson. And that is think of the whole picture. A great example in one of my businesses in my coffee business is that if, if we charge the, let's say the accounting department says we want to reduce costs and they go out and find lower quality and lower price coffee beans, even if the quality was the same. So yet, you know, that it wasn't like it was a, bad quality. But the inconsistency that we bring into the business is one of the lessons that I've learned over the years is that staying with a single supplier as best you can and staying with something that works brings all the way down through the whole production and delivery chain. Because if something goes wrong all the way to the customer, you've damaged the customer relationship. You got to go back and fix it. And so cheap is usually expensive. The second thing, I'll just tell you a quick story. When I bought my first vehicle in Thailand, I bought a Toyota car or truck at the time many years ago. And the guy, his name is Suti, that was my salesman. And I mean, that guy was amazing. And he even, you know, he did everything. And then after, you know, a few months of having the truck, he called me and said, it's time for your, you know, regular maintenance. And he said, if you'd like, I'll come pick it up and bring it to the shop, do it. And then I'll have it back at your office, you know, by the end of the day, I was like, please. And he just always did that. And so when it came time to get my next car, yeah, I immediately called him. And then I told my best friend, you know, you know, Dale, you know, if you're going to buy a car, get it from Suti. And then he buys from him. And then when my mom came to Thailand and I said, we want to buy a car that's suitable, that my mom can get in and out of easily, Suti, the salesman, brought a, the Toyota that I thought was interesting. He brought it to the house so my mom could get into it you know, out of her wheelchair and into it and see if it could work. And, you know, that kind of stuff means I'll never buy a car from anybody else. Yeah. No, it's powerful. Yeah. So it's such a great lesson. All right. So let's go back in time and think about this. Based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate?
0: Well, I I think it's, I think a simple thing that people need to do is they need to get to know whoever is in their world, you know? And when I say, you know, small talk is so powerful just to have a conversation with somebody and thinking back, I don't really even know anything about the guy who was my first investor. You know, he was just this investor. He wore nice suits. I don't know if he was married. I didn't know anything about him. And I don't think he really knew anything about me other than while I got married. I mean, he, he had to know that, but I don't think he ever had an interest. So that should have been the first tip off. But you know, what I try to do when I connect with people, well, you and I talk before we hit record, Mm, you know, you have this little bit of chit chat, where are you from? What do we have in common? And that just warms thing up, warms things up. And it's, to be honest, it's very biological that people have a more connected relationship when you have these little chit chats, so engage in that. Engage in that whenever you have the opportunity. When you're, you know, when you're vetting vendors or you're mm. looking to hire somebody or even inter- being interviewed, you know they're going to come in and okay, they're going to have all these questions for me. How about this? Start out by just finding out about them. Is that a picture of your son on the mantle? Do you mm. play
1: baseball? You know, what's the Curious George doll you have? You know, yes. what I mean, people that resonates with people. That's great. And uh, it reminds me when I, I went to China and I was going back and forth working on my PhD, and I didn't know much about Chinese culture. I knew more about Thai culture. But one of the lessons that I learned there was that every time that you got to know someone, they said, let's go out for dinner. And what I learned is that you're never going to seal a business deal without having dinner together. It's an important step. And that's a to have a relaxed environment, see how things go. And uh, so- there's a, there's a good lesson in, on all of this. Yeah. So, so last question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months?
0: You know, my number one goal for the next 12 months, that's a, that's a great question. Number one goal, you know, it, it, it really is t- just to meet people, you know, we're, I'm not sure when this is coming up, but recording this, we're in the midst of COVID in the mm-hmm. United States, for sure, probably worldwide and it's really it's been an inconvenience, but it's been a blessing as well because it's allowed me to meet people that I probably wouldn't have other otherwise met. You know, I don't know that we would have met maybe. And you know, so I want to continue to meet people, and I want to continue to allow those help those people meet other people. I, I have this saying: everybody I know can benefit by somebody else I know. Hmm. So I I always have just a whole reservoir of people that you know I can connect to one another and do things for and I just want to continue to continue to do that and I just know and trust that if I do that enough that the things I need to grow my
1: business will will happen so this is just you know it's so simple but it's so profound and for all the listeners out there you know what can you give who can you help? Who can you help connect? You never know how that comes back to you. So listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com to claim your discount on the course that excites you the most. Now, as we conclude, Frank, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience?
0: Thanks for tuning in. And I guess my, my parting advice to you is find something you're passionate about and volunteer. It's a wonderful thing that will make you feel good and connect you to people that
1: you didn't even know existed. Beautiful advice. And I did that with CFA, Chartered Financial Analysts got involved in the society here in Thailand and over time continued to volunteer was voted as vice president and then was a two-term president. And the people that I met, the connections that I made, the quality of the relationships that I created were fantastic and they last. So great advice from Frank. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.